What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the NFL Takeover Podcast, brought to you by the Takeover Sports Network. I'm Chris Valley. We have an exciting show for you all this week, but before we can get into that, we have to talk about our buddies over at Prize Picks, and they have a special offer for all of our listeners and viewers, new users that use that use the promo code Takeover will receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks is the fun and easy way to play daily fantasy. You pick two to five players in and over under on their projection, and you can win up to 10 times in any entry. Prize Picks is a ton of stats to choose from, including points, rebounds, assists, three points made, fantasy points, and more. Prize Picks offers every sport you can think of, like the NFL, college football, NBA, MLB, soccer, MMA, and more. Prize Picks also allows mixed sports entries. For example, you can take the over on Steph Curry's points combined with the under on Aaron Rodgers' passing yards in the same entry. Prize Picks has an award-winning, easy-to-use mobile app, which you can find both on the App Store and Google Play. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. So if you're looking for a fun and easy way to play daily fantasy, be sure to check out Prize Picks and don't forget to use the promo code TAKEOVER so that so that they know that we sent you that is Prize Picks, promo code TAKEOVER, and let's get right back into it. So, We've got uh, we've got quite a few games to get into. We're going to kick it off with the Bills, who beat up on the Jets twenty to twelve. Josh Allen was sixteen to twenty seven for one hundred forty seven yards, one touchdown. He also added forty seven rushing yards and a TD. Mike White was twenty seven to forty four for two hundred and sixty eight yards. This was a defensive battle for most of the first half. Uh, the The Bills didn't end up scoring until about thirty or so seconds remaining in the second quarter. Uh, and before I get into the Bills. Really got to talk about Mike White, who showed his toughness. The dude took plenty of shots throughout the game. Um, there was one series where he took an absolute blast to the midsection, and you could see him writhing on the ground in pain. Tony Romo, who was doing the broadcast along with Jim Nance, was talking about how, it, given the, the way that he was squirming on the ground, he thought that he possibly cracked a couple ribs. You could see him struggling for air. He only ended up missing one series after that. They they put in Flacco for a series, and then Mike White was right back out there to finish the game. So take everything else out of it. I understand that the Jets lost the game, but if you're a Jets fan, you have to love what you saw from your quarterback. Your quarterback is unbelievably tough. He is the exact opposite of Zach Wilson. The guy is a complete baller. The locker room clearly loves him. His coach loves him. The, Mike White is the future of the New York Jets as a quarterback, at least as it stands right now. You gotta love what you see from the guy so far. He's been he's been sensational. Just maybe not his play has been, you know, completely transcendent, so to speak, but at least as a leader, as a locker room presence, Mike White is the guy that that I think any any team would be happy to have as their starting quarterback. Getting back to the Bills who needed to win this game. Josh Allen played a solid game against one of the best defenses in football. And this was an important win for the Bills. They had to have this to maintain the number one seed in the AFC, uh, and they've done that now for the second week in a row. And the Bills really can't trip up here. If they want to get home field advantage, the Chiefs have a very easy schedule during the rest of the way. Uh, they they almost slipped up uh, yesterday against against the Denver Broncos. Although, let's be real, we all knew watching that game, or anybody who was watching that game, that the, the Chiefs were going to end up pulling out that victory. Uh, but the Bills are at a point right now where they have to win every single week. And next week's game is not going to be a gimme. It's going to be against Miami, although it will be at home against Buffalo. But that, I think that is the the last really tough game for the Bills. So if the Bulls, if, excuse me, if the Bills can pull out next week's game as well against Miami, I think the Bills will have a really good shot at maintaining that number one seed, which I, I really do think home field advantage is going to matter more than any other year that we've seen in recent memory in the playoffs. Moving on to the NFC, the Eagles route 
the New York Giants, 48 to 22. And in doing so, the Eagles also clinched a playoff berth. Jalen Hurts was 21 of 31 for 217 yards, two touchdowns. He also added 77 yards on the ground with a TD. Daniel Jones was 18 to 27 for 169 yards, one touchdown. He also added 26 yards on the ground as well. He also had a rushing TD. This game was never in doubt. The Eagles bludgeoned the Giants throughout this football game. This game was an embarrassment. If you are a New York Giants fan, you are very likely hanging your head in shame today. The Eagles did everything they wanted to do to the Giants offensively. Like they just embarrassed them. They did everything they wanted to do. Miles Sanders once again had 144 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Both Brown and Smith each scored a touchdown. Jalen Hurts was putting the ball wherever he wanted to put it. He was obviously, like I said, he was rushing the ball very well as well. He did have those 77 yards on the ground. But really, this was just don't and don't let the final score fool you. The the 22 points that the Giants got, the, those were gimme points at the end of the game. Like they didn't even count. Those are trash points to like, you know, pat, you know, like the sometimes you see a blowout and the quarterback's patting their stats. That's pretty much what those 22 that what the the final seven points were for the Giants. Like they, they were meaningless. The Eagles, there was never a time in that game where you thought the Giants were going to even make somewhat of a comeback. Like they had they played with no heart. They played with, with just they played defeated football, which is really pathetic because they were home in that in this game. This was game was in New Jersey, and they just they looked defeated throughout. And the the Eagles snatched their souls and just stomped on them the entire game. It was just an ugly, ugly game for the New York Giants. The Eagles look like the the clear cut number one seed in the NFC. I don't think anybody's going to catch them. And we'll, we'll get on to why momentarily when we talk about the Minnesota Vikings. But the Eagles look like the best team in the NFC. Uh, I, I'm, I don't necessarily think they're the best team in football, but I do think they are the best team in the NFC. And they showed that by absolutely destroying their division rivals in just an ugly, ugly game to watch. Jumping back into the AFC, we got to talk about the Jaguars, who shocked the Tennessee Titans 36-22. Trevor Lawrence was 30-42 for 368 yards, three touchdowns. And he added a rushing TD. Ryan Tannehill, 25 of 38 for 254 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. The Jags defense showed up big in the second half. They shut down Derrick Henry. They held Henry to under 10 yards total in the second half. I got to touch on the Titans here, and then we'll get on the Jaguars. But first, I'm going to talk about Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill continues to be an embarrassment of a quarterback. Okay, he's holding this team back. There's no question about it anymore. Watching the game, watching him continuously throw terrible pass after terrible pass. They need to just bench him and put in Malik Willis. Okay. The Titans are going to win this division by default. I understand the Jaguars are a couple games behind them, but let's be real. The Titans are going to be fine. The Titans will win the AFC South by default because the moment you start believing in the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jaguars are going to fall right back down to earth. They did it a couple weeks ago when they beat the Baltimore Ravens. Everybody thought that they were ooh, look at the Jaguars. Maybe they're going to win two weeks in a row, and then they completely fell apart the following week against the Raiders. The Jaguars, you cannot buy into the Jaguars. They're not. They're, they're fool's gold. But this Titans team is just an utter embarrassment led by their crappy quarterback. Ryan Tannehill is just just continues to embarrass himself week in and week out. It's it's disgusting to watch him play football. Like it bo- it's so bothersome that this guy, not only is he the starting quarterback of the Titans, but there are people out there who considered him to be 
one of the better quarterbacks in football, like a top top 15 player in football, which is just absurd because he's not that talented. He's not that good. He may have been at one point. He may have had the potential to be that, but he has not been that while he's been in Tennessee. His numbers have been inflated because, A, because of Derrick Henry, but also because of the other weapons that they had around him. And once the Titans got rid of some of those weapons, a la A.J. Brown, you see who Ryan Tannehill really is, which is that he's nothing more than a top, what, 18, 19 quarterback in the league. He's not that good, folks. Malik Willis is the future. They should be playing him now at this point. Give him the snaps. Give him the opportunity to start to learn because Ryan Tannehill is not the answer. This Tennessee Titans team, by the way, is a first-round buy for whoever has to face them in the wild card. Okay, they're that bad. They're going to once again be one and done in the playoffs. Everyone was riding high on this team for a long time. Everybody wanted to give Mike Vrabel his flowers. And don't get me wrong, Vrabel's a great coach, but even he can't coach up this quarterback. He cannot fix the issues that they have with Ryan Tannehill. Like I said, this team is a first-round buy for whoever has the opportunity to face them in the first round in the wildcard playoffs. They're just, they're just a travesty. I, I cannot stand this team. Trevor Lawrence, getting back on the Jacks real quick. Trevor Lawrence played an incredible game. We keep seeing glimpses of the promise of what those of us who bought into the hype of Trevor Lawrence believed that he could be. And we keep seeing that the bits and pieces of that throughout this season. I'm hoping that that this is just the beginning for Lawrence, that we're going to start seeing him really put all these pieces together and that come next season, he's going to ascend into that top half of the league, that top five, six, seven quarterback that we all believed he could be when he was coming out of Clemson and, and heading into the NFL. The Bengals topped the Browns 23 to 10. Joe Burrow was 18 to 33 for 239 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Deshaun Watson was 26 to 42 for 276, one touchdown, and one pick. The Bengals finally overcame their losing streak in the Joe Burrow era and were able to beat the Cleveland Browns. Burrow continues to play like an MVP. Joe Mixon returned for the first time in weeks. He had 14 carries, 96 yards. Jamar Chase added 119 yards and a touchdown. Deshaun Watson played a decent game, uh, but he threw a costly interception to uh, to all but seal the game for the Bengals. Look, Deshaun Watson played like crap last week. This week, he, he played better, but he also had glimpses. He had a few throws where if you were watching the game and you had the opportunity to see it, Watson started to remind people why he was considered a top five talent as far as the quarterback position is concerned in the NFL prior to the suspension. He's still that guy. He still has the opportunities to be that guy again. Now, whether or not he's going to be able to put it all together, I, I mean, that remains to be seen. He did miss a lot of time. There's no guarantee that, that Watson's ever going to get back to being that guy, but there were glimpses, and you did see some of what everyone was talking about for a long time about how great Deshaun Watson really was on the field. Maybe we'll see that. I don't know if it's going to happen this season. There's, he only has a few games remaining. He only has four games left to play. But there are little little pieces and, and little glimpses of the superstar that Deshaun Watson used to be. So maybe we'll see that next season. I don't know. But again, it, I understand the Browns aren't going to make the playoffs. They've had a relatively disappointing season. But if, if Watson can continue to progress and continue to evolve and get back to who he used to be, the Browns are going to be a dangerous, dangerous team come next season. So here we go about the Minnesota Vikings. So the Detroit Lions beat the Vikings 34 to 23 in Detroit. Jared Goff was 27 to 39 for 330 yards, three touchdowns. Cousins was 31 to 41 for 425 yards and two touchdowns. I'm going to talk talk about the Lions first and then I'll get on the Vikings. 
because I don't want to take anything away from the Lions here. The Lions continue to roll. They've won, um, excuse me, they're six and seven on the season. They've won five of their last six, and they're in the playoff hunt. They are officially in the playoff hunt. And Jared Goff right now is statistically playing like a top 10 quarterback. I never thought those words would ever come out of my mouth again, but it's true. Goff has been incredible this season. The Lions are this year's, without question, this year's Cinderella story. This is the team that I think everyone who isn't a Vikings or a Packers fan wants to see make the postseason. It's it would be if they do make it, it'll be the best story of the NFL season, bar none. If they somehow get a way to get into, by the way, don't be surprised if Dan Campbell snakes the the Coach of the Year award away from whomever the I don't I didn't look on on um, any of the betting sites, so I don't know who the betting favorite is for Coach of the Year. But don't be shocked if the if the Lions do get there. If we see Dan Campbell, maybe not win it, but he he sure as hell will get quite a few votes for Coach of the Year. Like this team is just this team is an incredible team to watch. They are loaded on offense. They're starting to figure it out on defense. This is the team, if they make it into the playoffs, this is that team that you do not want to see early on because they could get you bounced out early. They could be that seventh seed that bounces out a two seed very early on. Let's move on to the Vikings. I said it a few weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again. The Minnesota Vikings are complete and under frauds. They are the most fraudulent 10-win team in recent memory. Now, you can't blame Kirk Cousins for this game. I know everybody likes to, and I've done it before. I, I said I was off the Kirk Cousins bandwagon, and I am. However, objectively speaking, you cannot blame Kirk Cousins for this football game. He played solid throughout. Again, 31 of 41 for 425 and two touchdowns. This game is not on him. He did his job. Justin Jefferson did his job. The run game was non-existent. Cook and Madison combined, combined, for 42 total rushing yards. That's inexcusable against one of the worst rushing defenses, if not the worst rushing defense in the NFL. There is no excuse for the Detroit Lions to only put up 22 rushing yards. Just like the Tennessee Titans will be for the AFC, this Minnesota Vikings team is going to be a first-round exit, and not just a first-round exit, they're going to be a first-round bye for whoever gets to face them. They are the Tennessee Titans of the NFC without question. This team is just... it's. It is so infuriating to look on paper in the preseason and look at all the talent that this team has. Look at the fact that they're clicking offensively. They're clicking relatively well on defense. Early in the season, everyone bought in. I bought in 100%. I, I picked the Lions to win the, NFC, uh, to win the NFC North. I said they would, be, they would definitely have the opportunity to make it to the Super Bowl. I picked them to make it to the NFC title game because I bought into this team and now I'm sitting back and I just feel completely stupid for actually buying in to the fact that the Vikings could actually accomplish something like this team is just in utter embarrassment. Again, they they're a 10 win team, but they don't play like a 10 win team yesterday on the football field. There was not a moment in that football game. If you watched it where you believe that the Minnesota Vikings were the 10 win football team. I, if, if somebody came down and had never watched a single game of the NFL this season and you watched the Lions and the in the Vikings play and you said one of those teams have won 10 games this season, everyone would have or anyone would have believed that it was the, the Lions. This team is just, they've been lucky. They've been more lucky than they've been good. And it shows week after week whenever they have to play a big game. They completely come up short 
And it's just, it's so irritating. It is absolutely irritating. Again, this Vikings team, one and done come the postseason. I, I just don't, I don't want to hear anybody else talk about them, about being somewhat contenders. Maybe they can put it together. Maybe they'll be able to figure it out because they won't. They will let you down the moment you start buying in. It's just an utter travesty. I feel really bad for Minnesota Vikings fans, but your team sucks. I'm sorry. They just, they're frauds and they suck. There's nothing else I can say for you. Sunday night football, the Chargers topped the Dolphins 23-17. Justin Herbert was 39-51 for 367 yards and a touchdown. Tua was 10-28 for 145 yards and a TD. So the social media debate of Tua versus Herbert, it's officially over. Okay, it's done. I don't want to hear it anymore. Now, <laughs> FS1's blowhard, Emmanuel Acho, was, was pretty much the reason why the, this whole BS narrative started about this being a social media uh, debate. And that was because he decided to create this, uh, I don't even know, this narrative that Justin Herbert was a social media quarterback and Tua was the more talented and better, better quarterback. But he didn't get the same type of hype that Justin Herbert was getting. After last night's game, we can admit that Emmanuel Lazio is a moron and that Justin Herbert is a generational talent. While Tua is a middle-of-the-road quarterback, Without, especially when he doesn't have any of his superstar talent around him, take away, take away Hill and take away Waddle, and Tua is nothing. He is just take away Hill, and Tua is nothing. If he, if all he has is Jalen Waddle, Tua is at best, at best, a top fifteen quarterback, and that's I, I even think that's being generous. You take away Justin Herbert's weapons. Oh wait, we've already seen that all season long, and he's continued to put up numbers. He's continued to not only put up numbers, but also set records. He just passed Andrew Luck on Sunday night to throw for the most passing yards in his first three seasons in NFL history. Okay, Tua doesn't even come close to being able to do that. And everyone who wants to compare stats, because I've, I've, seen, it, I've seen it all over social media, well, it really doesn't matter because Tua, is, Tua still has better, better numbers than Justin Herbert does this season. Okay, you're right, he does. If you're, if you're going line by line, sure. But Tua has also had healthy players around him for the majority of the season. Justin Herbert has played with crack ribs for most of the season. And he's played with almost none of his starting offense the entire season. Last night was the first time that he had Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the same field at the same time. Justin Herbert has proven time and time again that he is a generational talent in this league. If you want to keep denying it, that's fine. If you want to throw up the fact that he hasn't made the postseason, that's fine too. And you're right, he hasn't. But that has not been his fault. It's not his fault that his coach is one of the worst coaches in the league. The only benefit, by the way, for Chargers fans and for people who are rooting for Justin Herbert, who are Justin Herbert homers like myself, the only benefit to the Chargers not making the postseason this year would be that without question, Staley would be fired. That is the only benefit to it. But frankly, that that could be a net benefit because then hopefully Justin Herbert could actually get a real coach to be able to help him win football games. The Chargers won a game last night that they had to have um, in order to keep pace in the wild card against a team that everyone favored coming in. Everyone was buying into the Dolphins. The Dolphins were supposed to win this football game. They were favored by three points. Now, the Dolphins are starting to slide after a hot start. They've lost two straight, and they get to face the first-place Bills, which I talked about earlier, Saturday night in prime time. This is a must-win for the Dolphins. The Dolphins have to win this game against the Bills. Otherwise, I don't think the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs. I don't. 
If the Dolphins lose against the Bills, I think that is the beginning of the end for this team. We've seen the Dolphins do this before too, by the way. This isn't anything new. The Dolphins have won early and they start falling apart later on in the season. We saw it a couple years ago and we're starting to see it again. We're also starting to see Tua, Tua's limitations again. Okay? So for all of those who are sitting there saying, oh, Tua's an MVP, Tua's a top five quarterback in the league, no, he's not. He is not either of those things. Tua is, like I said, he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback. I There's a reason why Miami was going hard after Tom Brady and going hard after Deshaun Watson. They knew what they were doing. That front office knew what they had with Tua. And their extremely talented head coach was able to, to hide it with some smoke and some mirrors for a little while. But now we're starting to see the truth. And that is the fact that Tua is not the superstar quarterback that everybody out there wants him to be. Looking ahead to Monday Night Football tonight, uh, by the time this, this podcast comes out, Monday Night Football already have aired. But we've got the Patriots at the Cardinals. The Patriots are a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Look, this is one of the worst Monday Night Football games I can think of in a while. This is not going to be a fun game to watch, in my opinion. I th- I'm going to take the Cardinals just because I think they have more talented offensive playmakers than the Patriots, but I don't really feel great about it. Uh, but if you know if you're betting on the game, I would take the Cardinals plus one and a half. I, I I do think the Cardinals will be able to pull this game out, but I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. I'm thinking something in the realm of like 17 14, 17 to 12. I don't. Know. It's it's going to be an ugly game. I, I think it'll be a relatively defensive battle. I expect Belichick to be able to put the screws to Cliff Kingsbury's offense, but again, I still think that they have enough. The Cardinals have enough playmakers to make it work. So overall, like I said, I do like. I do like the Cardinals over the Patriots. If you're betting the game, I would take the Cardinals plus the one and a half. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the NFL Takeover Podcast, brought to you by the Takeover Sports Network. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button and that notification bell so that you don't miss any of the other great shows we have for you at the network. I will be back uh, in the middle of the week. We got to talk about Tom Brady. We got to talk about Brock Purdy. We got to talk about the future of the San Francisco 49ers and what Purdy's performance means for the 49ers. Are they going to stick by this guy? Is he going to be the quarterback of the future? Or are they going to be looking to move on and possibly go and reach out to Tom Brady? That's going to be something that I'm going to be discussing, like I said, in the midweek edition of the podcast. So be sure to check that out. And until I talk to y'all again, uh, be well, stay safe, and I'll talk to y'all again real soon. (laughs) 